And welcome back to another episode of the Two Fans Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ari Jesselson. And I'm your other co-host, Joshua Amat. And today we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Kenneth McAfee. And uh, before we introduce him to the episode, uh, a little backstory. He was a Notre Dame tight end. He was the eighth overall pick in the 1978 NFL Draft. And two seasons later, he decided to walk away from the game on his own merit, his own way. And this is his story, what he, how he got to the NFL, what he did afterwards, and just his whole life story. So without further introduction, Dr. Kenneth McAfee, we'd like to introduce him to the show. Hey, good to be with you guys. How are things up there in New York? Um, surprisingly warm, especially from three hours away from Buffalo. So it's really uh, yeah. nice. It'll be it'll be cooler before you know it, right? Oh yeah, and you two and Brandeis will definitely feel the weather. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so um I guess for the first question, really, your father played football, he was a tight end. Did that really indicate where you want to be in football and was that a very big decision for you going to football? Um you know, not really, because I was uh, when I was a kid. I mean, my father had all these awards around the house with trophies and uh, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it was it was kind of an influence, but I never really utilized that as my impetus to to play football. You know, I just wanted to play to have a good time with all my friends, and uh, it just kind of I played on great teams in high school. We were undefeated three out of my four years and won the state championship so our team got a lot of notoriety just because of that so we always had college scouts around and uh we ran the wishbone offense and and uh, a lot of colleges actually came to watch us run the run the run that offense because of the fact that uh, we had such great success with it so we had a lot of uh, a lot of colleges interested in, in several of our players so it was uh it just happened to be something that just came about and i was just being recruited to go to college uh, in my junior and senior year. Those were the days where you could take unlimited visits, you know? So I think you can only take five visits these days. I took 12, you know, and then I had like 20 lined up. I canceled the other eight because I was tired of traveling around the country. So, uh, so it was, uh, so obviously, you know, when I, when we, when we, uh, when I became a tight end, I mean, it just, it wasn't because of my dad. I think it might have had something to do with the genes, but who knows? You know, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really my option. Yeah. And was there any specific reason you decided to commit to Notre Dame, or? Yeah, you know, when uh, well, when I visited Notre Dame, you know, I, I found myself comparing that school with all the others that I had visited, and uh, I really couldn't find any comparisons that would indicate that Notre Dame wasn't the place to go. You know, because of the fact they had great academics. And obviously, they had a great athletic program. We uh, they were just coming off the national championship in 1973. So I was a freshman in 1974, which shows you how old I am. But uh, it was uh, it was just something. I think the academics and the athletics, the combination of the two, was was just very uh, very enticing. We we also like to say we're not sponsored by Notre Dame, but our DMs are always open. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I guess a little more personal. Was the dream always to go pro, or was it just more having a good time, having a fun time with the people you enjoy playing with? Yeah, you know, um, I think these days, you know, some kids probably going to college, anticipating and going to the pros, but you know, it only takes one injury to end their career. It only takes you know one 
something that you do socially that may end your career. So you got to be careful with what you do these days. But, um, you know, when you, I think a lot of coaches, part of their recruiting policy is to say, yeah, you have the potential. You come to my school, you have the potential to go to the pros. You know, it really wasn't that way back when I was being recruited. You know, I, I remember uh, speaking with Aaron Parsegan, who was the coach at Notre Dame. And he said, uh, look, I can offer you two things. I can offer you a great education and a chance to compete for the national championship. He said, if you want to do that, we'd love to have you come here. We'll give you a full scholarship. If you don't want it, good luck. And that was the end of that. So it was, so it was a little, little different recruiting policies back in those days. But, um, you know, I think now, you know, with, with teams like Alabama and Clemson, you have these teams that are, you know, in the top five every year playing for the national championship, you know, they, and they have a lot of people going to the NFL. So I think that's probably a recruiting tool they're using these days. And um, so you were obviously drafted at the eighth overall pick in 1978, which makes you one of the highest tight ends ever drafted in the NFL. At the time, did you know that? Not really. You know, like uh, back then when we were drafted, actually, I was I was in my dorm room at Notre Dame and I got a call from the Boston Herald, which is a paper in Boston. And, and they said, what do you think about your draft position? I said, what draft position? They said, well, you didn't you hear? I said, hear what? They said, well, you're just drafted by the 49ers. You were the eighth pick in the draft. I said, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but these, you know, these days, you know, they have the top recruits go to New York for the big presentation and the uh, and the NFL draft, and, and they make it a big event. Uh, but back then, like I said, I was I was sitting in my dorm room on campus, you know, looking at the basilica across from my dorm you know and the phone call came so it was kind of a little different process back then but uh, I didn't realize you know the position of being eighth pick in the draft was you know the highest that a tight end's been when been drafted so it's uh, I guess it's kind of interesting but uh, you know it didn't really didn't really impact me that much yeah <laughs> it's very off guard yeah she goes to show you how much times change yeah that's true <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so now how about, um, I mean, once you actually uh, got drafted in the Niners organization, how was uh, that? How was the adjustment um, to the pros? How did you feel like going into the organization? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, they were kind of a, an average team. I think they were like, I think they're like a 500 team coming in, you know, so um, the good news about, you know, being drafted high is that you get some notoriety and obviously you make a little bit more money, but the bad news is you're playing for a lousy team because you're getting drafted higher. So, uh, so the first, first year, you know, we were a two and 14 and uh, you know, I, I lost, more games my first year as a pro than I did in high school and college combined. So it uh, doesn't matter what level you play on. If you lose, it's, it's not that much fun, you know, even though you're getting paid to do it. So, uh, so that was, you know, that was something that was quite an adjustment that needed to be done just because of the fact that I had never been on a losing team uh, ever since I started playing football, you know, and, and to lose 14 games, in your rookie year, you know, it wasn't, 
wasn't much fun, I'll tell you. So it was a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah. That's, um, that's why I'm kind of grateful that our baseball team, 0-11, you know, at least I'm used to yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> you guys are going strong, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was a big reason for why we lost a lot of games. I was a liability. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it takes a hell of a man to admit it. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you played two seasons in 78-79. You scored just your first in your rookie season. You had I'll have your stats up right here, actually. You started 13 games, 22 receptions, 205 yards, and a touchdown. Can you – do you think you could kind of relive that first NFL touchdown and what your emotions were, what your thoughts were? Yeah, you know, it was uh, actually the very first game of the year we played at Cleveland. We played the Browns, and um, it was our first touchdown of the year and actually the only touchdown we scored that day. So Cleveland beat us pretty badly, as I recall. Of course, every team beat us pretty badly, but that was just the start. Um, but um, so, you know, it was – it was enjoyable, you know, off to a off to a good start, scoring the first touchdown of the year as a rookie. I thought, man, I'm gonna have a great year, and that was the first and last touchdown I scored the whole year. So, <laughs> kind of went downhill from there. But uh, like I said, our team wasn't wasn't that good. So there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of rookies that made the team. I think we had 14, 14 or fifteen rookies on the team. So we were really young, and you know, it was a it was gonna be a a big learning curve involved, but then, uh, you know, we had OJ Simpson on the team. He, he got traded from Buffalo to San Francisco. So he was like, a, you know, every, everyone's looking at him in awe, you know, and uh, we just, you know, couldn't believe he was one of our teammates, you know, so, but it uh, didn't really, didn't really produce much, you know, as, as the year went on. So I ended up getting a knee injury and the, uh, 13th game of the year. So I, I missed the last three games. Um, I guess going from that rookie season, how was it um, adjusting to the second season? Of course, uh, when you add in um, Joe Montana into the fold, um, when, um, how was it sort of, uh, sort of feeling uh, were you feeling more like in rhythm with like what the NFL uh, was like? Were you, um, how, I mean, how did that uh, injury uh, late in your rookie year, um, was that uh, a big setback? Um, you know, I was, I was very fortunate. You know, I had a uh, medial collateral ligament injury, but uh, our team physician was actually one of the innovators of arthroscopy. So, he actually just scoped my knee and I didn't have to have it opened, thank goodness. And so I just, they just put a cast on it for several months, which is what they did back then. Today, they probably wouldn't have done that, but um, they took the cast off. My leg looked like a telephone cable, you know, it was not, no, no muscle tone or anything. So I said, how am I going to rehab this thing? It took me a good four months before I could actually begin to run on it again. So, um, but I was able to play the following year, you know, with the, not, not too many injuries. I got an ankle injury. I, I missed just part of one game, but uh, after that, you know, it was, uh, and our team just did as poorly as we did the first year with two and 14, my second year as well. So it wasn't uh, another unsuccessful venture you know, in the NFL. So after two years, I was four and 28. So that wasn't, that wasn't too much, uh, too much enjoyment in that, but uh, 
with Joe Montana, you know, as him coming in as the quarterback, you know, he and I were classmates in college, actually. So we went to Notre Dame together and uh, he graduated a year after I did because he injured his shoulder in, uh, in uh, spring practice one year. So he actually just redshirted um, and graduated a year after I did. So we ended up playing, you know, in San Francisco for a couple of years. But uh, obviously he went on to have a relatively successful career. You know, he did OK for himself. <laughs> uh, okay, might be a little bit of an overstatement. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. He still has a lot to learn. Yeah. <laughs> He's no Brady. That's all I'm saying. That's right. Hey, you know what? You, there'll be an argument about that forever, but uh, exactly. more more stats Brady's piling up, you know, obviously. And living here in the Boston area, you know, Brady is like an icon. So he's, uh, it's tough to, tough to not say that he's the GOAT. Yeah. So um, after starting out, having the worst record in your football career, like you said, your first year was worse than your college and high school seasons combined. Going to the offseason, were you kind of feeling the, a little bit of an urge to kind of stop football or even get a, get off the 49ers? Or were you going to – what was the thoughts of, of during the offseason? Um, you know, not really. I was um, – you know, because during the offseason, I was going to dental school. So uh, I'd go to school for six months and then play football for six months. So as a result, you know, I didn't really have time to think about football. I mean, obviously, I had to keep in shape and, and uh, work out, lift weights, run, all that all that wonderful stuff that you that you have to do. But, um, you know, as far as really considering it, you know, you just in the pros, you just have to accept, you know, they they draft the players and, you know, the coach coaches them and, and basically you know, we had a we had a coaching change mid-season my rookie year. We had, you know, our initial coach was fired halfway through the season because we were doing so poorly, and then they fired the other one after the end of the season. So my second year, we had our third head coach. You know, Bill Walsh came in as the head coach, which was uh, – he was obviously a, you know, successful guy. He ended up winning four Super Bowls, I think, with the with the 49ers. So uh, – you can see a change was coming. You know, he was he was a bright guy and, and very intelligent, and uh, he was a funny guy as well. So he 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 was a great coach. But um, you know, and when uh, my third year, he uh, in training camp, he came to me and said, uh, you know, we'd like to move you inside to guard. You know, because we're putting in this new offense and we're not going to use the tight end that much. But he goes, you're a great blocker. We'd really like to have you play guard and, and build up the offensive line. I told him, I said, Bill, I said, you know, I've never played inside. And, you know, this team is two and 14 my last two years. I said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go inside for for this team. I'm just going to go back and finish dental school. So, of course, the next year they won the Super Bowl. So it shows you how smart I am. Right. <laughs> And you just you just walked away from the team. Yeah, you know, I just went I just went to dental school, and then um, actually uh, that was in 1981, and then in '82, uh, my receiver coach at the 49ers, he was with the Minnesota Vikings, and he called me, and he said, uh, you know, we're looking for a tight end. He goes, you're interested? You think you want to make a comeback? I said, well, I'll give it a try. You know, if you need one. So I went to play in Minnesota, and um, the very last game of the of the preseason, I got a bad back injury, and uh, you know my legs went numb. I thought I was paralyzed almost, and uh, I said, if I ever get 
I'm able to walk again. I'm never playing this game again, you know. So after that, that was it. You know, once I rehabbed my back and was able to uh, walk again and, you know, the sensation came back in my legs, I said, that's it. I'm all done. So go back and inflict, go back and inflict some pain on some patients instead of doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a quite, quite the decision to go like from that great. I felt that okay, that was worded better in my head. Um, Okay, question I'm trying to ask. The word guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Uh, All right. Don't know how much of that I'm going to need to cut out. Uh, Point trying to be made is, um, I mean, how often, I mean, if at all, um, does any sort of feeling of uh, regret come up of you, like, like lived with uh, your decision like perfectly fine with it? Are there any moments where you think like what could have been? Oh yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, when you when you first stop playing, when I did, I mean, I was 25 years old. So you think you can play, you know, forever. But, um, you know, once once the injuries start, like, you know, I went through high school and college unscathed and I never, I never missed a game. And uh, in the pros, you know, like I said, I got a knee my first year, ankle my second, back my third. So it was like injuries start to pile up. And I said, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to make a living as an oral next facial surgeon. I don't want to ruin my hands or, you know, get these injuries that are going to be debilitating. So it wasn't that hard to really walk away. You know, you think you can still play at in your mid twenties, but, um, as time progresses and I look back and I see all my friends, you know, they're getting knee replacements and hip replacements, shoulder replacements. And, you know, they're like, you know, bionic men now, you know, so I still don't have a joint replacement. I can walk, I can get, and I know my name and how to get home. So I'm all set. (laughs) Thank God. You know, it's it's very scary with football. I think as the years go by, we kind of see the effects of CTE and hard hitting. Oh yeah. It's scary, you know, and I've had uh, I've had a few uh, few teammates that have passed away from that, and it's uh, it's just very sad. And, and um, you know, back in the day, you know, the helmets have changed a little bit, the rules have changed a little bit to try to protect from that. But um, I don't know if they can just protect from it at a hundred percent. I mean, there's always going to be some kind of brain injury. I think, unfortunately, you know, with concussions, even if they change the the rules and the contact it'll always be a contact sport so you're still going to get injuries and you're going to have those ramifications unfortunately but um, hopefully they'll be less and less and less as, as the years progress hopefully because at the end of the day it's still a grow a sport where 200 plus pound men are tackling each other so they're always going to have that some contact of a physical very physical well, contact well that's for sure they're not making these guys any smaller that's for sure <laughs> that's true <laughs> Yeah, I think there was uh, maybe 10 guys in the league when I played that um, there were over 300 pounds. I think there's 10 guys on a team now that are over 300 pounds. You know? yeah. it's just, and they can run. It's yeah. kind of scary, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I look back to some play with uh, Larry Brown 
where there's there's a famous play of him Monday night versus the Saints. And some Saints defensive back picks off Aikman. And Larry Brown, this big 356-pound guy, flat on his feet, in the wrong angle, facing the other way, catches up to the defender with blazing – he's faster than the defensive back who's maybe half his weight <laughs> and blazing speed just comes down from his blind side. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, guys are scary, scary fast, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. I never had to worry about that. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Was there any big outlier that made you want to go to dental school? And how long did you know that this is something you wanted to do? Actually, I was uh, I worked with a guy uh, in a summer job when I was in high school. And um, he was the captain of the Holy Cross football team. He was several years older than I was, but um, he was drafted by the Redskins. And um, he was told, because he had a head injury, that he was told if he got a recurrence of the head injury that he could potentially die. So he didn't end up playing for the, for the Redskins. He went to dental school instead. Um, so he told me in, in that, in that job that summer, he said, look, you're going to go to school on an athletic scholarship. You might as well study something worthwhile. Let me show you what dentistry is all about. So, so he showed me and he introduced me to some oral surgeons. I went into the operating room and saw a bunch of, a bunch of surgeries. And uh, that's what really, interested me i wasn't really interested in being a dentist i was more interested in being an oral and maxillofacial surgeon and, and as a result you know i mean you have to use dental schools kind of a leapfrog to get to your oral surgery residency so so you beat yourself up for four years going to dental school then you beat yourself up for another four years doing a residency in oral surgery so <laughs> so it was uh it's kind of a you know prolonged period of time but uh, he's the one that really was a mentor to me and, and interest. And I got interested in, in doing that profession as a result of his uh, interest in me. How one person could change someone's life, you know? Yeah, that's right. Life. Only takes one. <laughs> exactly. And uh, can you explain a little more what you do today? Because uh, uh, yeah, I, I practice uh, oral and maxillofacial surgery, which is, uh, you know, a specialty of dentistry, but uh, you know, just, we, uh, we do a lot of uh, implants, uh, take wis remove wisdom teeth and do bone grafting and uh, facial recontouring, you know, laser surgery, uh, Botox and facial fillers and that type of thing. So uh, it's kind of a well-rounded profession uh, that we do. I'm in private practice now. I was at the University of Pennsylvania uh, for eight years in academics when I finished my residency. And then... Uh, um, when my son was born, we moved back to Massachusetts, where I'm from originally. So we've been here for 27 years now. So it's uh, been a been a while. Yeah. How the years pass, you know? Boy, they do, don't they? Where yeah. do you get to be my age? Then you'll wonder where they go. <laughs> yeah, we're both 18, and we're saying how we feel old, and we're only 18. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So is, is there any one sort of player you uh, you faced being in college in the pros uh, anywhere that you say like uh, was the scariest guy you ever had to go up against? Um, maybe not one particular guy. There, you know, I mean, back in those days, you play the Oakland Raiders or the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, their defense was pretty uh, intimidating. You know, they had the uh, what they called the steel curtain for the uh, for the Steelers and then the Raiders 
were just a kind of a crazy bunch. You know, Ted Hendricks was a crazy guy, and John Matusak and Lyle Alzado and all those guys. I mean, they were, uh, you know, their their pupils looked like like plates, you know, when you look at them. So I don't know what they were doing, but uh, they were they were doing something. <laughs> they got them into those period those those modes. So uh, I think those those two teams were pretty intimidating. They had a bunch of all pros on their defense, and uh, so you know you're playing a team like us who wasn't that good, and uh, it was it was pretty intimidating. Yeah, you're in for a long Sunday then. Yeah, yeah yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, what would be your favorite locker room story that you had in your football career? Um, geez. I don't know. I don't know if I could tell that on this program, but <laughs> I'll say it. And if we have to censor something, we will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know that. Um, you know we. Uh, you know with OJ, like his his head was so big. I think he had like a size nine helmet, and so we like we used to put his helmet on. You could actually spin it around on your head. It was so big. You know. So uh, so we had a couple of guys that you know, put a, put a few things in his helmet once. So he is put his helmet on and uh, a bunch of nails fell out and tacks and, and uh, you know, they had, uh, they put uh, some uh, itching powder in his jock strap and that type of thing. So it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty funny, you know, because once you put your pants on and your jock strap, after about 15 minutes, the, the itching starts to take place. And, uh, you know, so during practice, he's scratching, scratching, scratching. So everyone's just laughing their head off. And uh, so obviously he had to, he had to go in and change, but um, it was pretty funny because he's always pulling practical jokes on everybody else. So we, uh, once we nailed his shoes to, to his locker, so he put his shoes on, he stood up and fell on his ass because his shoes were, were nailed down. So <laughs> stuff like that, you know, because it was about the only thing we had that was enjoyable for those couple of years, you know, because <laughs> we weren't winning any game, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, better that than nothing, I guess. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess final question of the day. Uh, if there's one thing you can tell uh, people at home, what would it be? Uh, you know, just uh, just be yourself. You know, and and uh, had a lot of people that have you know tried to do you know athletics. It doesn't really matter what you're trying to accomplish in life, whether it's something academically or athletically, socially. You know, if you don't succeed at it, you know the easiest thing to do is walk away. The hardest thing to do is is try harder. And uh, that's what I always told my kids. You know, to try to do the more difficult thing, and you just have to try harder if, if at first you don't succeed, right? Try, try again. So that's what I would tell anybody is you want to achieve a goal, set your goal and don't stop until you achieve it. Good way to look at life. Um, Dr. McAfee, I think from both of us, we'd like to thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. I don't know why you want an old guy like me, but nice talking to you guys. Have a great night. Thank you. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you once again so much for listening to us and bearing with us. We do this every single day, uh, Monday and Friday. Um, 
Got okay. I, I'm I'm just off today. All right. Do you want to take the rest of the outro? Uh yeah. If if you have any questions, suggestions, or you just want to get in contact with us, you can email us at two number two fans podcast at gmail.com. And um I think that's kind of it. We're here every Mondays and Fridays. Our emails are always gonna be open. We have a social media and Twitter. We have Twitter and Instagram by the same name. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. And thank you for watching.